0: Back again, I guess here to negate some of the stuff we were saying.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so at least to problematize consider, it, yeah.
0: right? So we so we've we've talked about how there's this de facto belief in free will, yes, um, which is based on feeling or some kind of internalization that you're not aware of of the structures that exist in your life, um, but. As We said it's very possible that there's no such thing as free will, and this counter view is what we call determinism. Uh, how would you explain determinism at a base level? Um, not to you know, there's many determinisms, of but course. but in, generally,
1: in general, well, I think you just said it's the view that there's no such thing as free will, and that everything that we do is determined mm. by something else and depending on the flavor of determinism you're in this something else could be different things so there's a I think the soft version of determinism is the social determinism right? Mm. Where or psychological I don't know, I always put them together somehow where whatever you do is not a complete product of your real choices but rather whatever, you, even what you choose is a product of your environment, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. So if you end up uh, killing someone and for that going to jail, that's not completely your fault, but it is rather um, the fault. There were outside conditions that led you to do that, meaning that at the end of the day was the neighbor where you were born and the friendship that you had and the fact that you didn't have that much money and the fact that, you know, in order for you to survive, you need to be violent in the place where you live. Then, of course, given those circumstances, there was no other way for you to end up dead in jail for murder, so to mm-hmm. speak. Um, the psychological uh, version of that is pretty similar as well. I want to say it's like it's not just you, but it's just all the, the, the ingrained stuff in your head. For instance, you were little. Um, I want to say less society and more the parents. I want to say more Freudian <laughs> perspective, right? <laughs> uh, but then there are the more serious, the harder version of determinism, whereas. Um, we can call it biological and specifically, oh, we can call it material, scientific, I don't know what to call it.
0: Right, right. I think I usually will distinguish between social determinism and biological determinism. And biological
1: determinism. So, and you want
0: to. Yeah, so whereas social determinism posits that everything, quote unquote, you do is not actually of your doing. It's merely a reaction uh, of the clay that you are, you know, based on experiences you've had in the past. It's like your environment has shaped you into this thing exactly. that behaves in a certain way. And behavior is just a series of reactions. There's no you that enters into the equation because you're basically just a product uh, of these empirical processes, you want to call it. Whereas the biological determinism, which is not to say that the social determinism is unbiological, but the the more strictly biological one may have something to do with like genetics and brain structure. Uh, and then there's this third kind of determinism, which is less popular in, in our paradigm, I guess, but religious determinism. True. Right. The idea that God determines everything, which we've already kind of
1: touched upon. Yeah. yeah. And not to forget that, I mean, I think it goes into the, the biological one as well. The fact that there's this idea that because we're part of the universe and the universe is deterministic by itself because we're made out of matter, right? Then that means that whatever we do is because there's only matter in the universe, right? Whatever we do is determined the same way mm-hmm. everything else is. I always make the example that if you throw a rock, right? If you have enough information, you can exactly establish what's going to happen, where the rock is going to end up, how many times it's going to roll, uh, what kind of noise it's going to make, everything, right? Mm-hmm. And we're nothing but a rock thrown in the universe, that's right? It. yeah. And this is the idea. And since that moment somebody threw us there, right? I don't know if it's at birth or at conception, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But from that moment on, there is a trajectory that's going to lead exactly where it's supposed to lead. Not because there's a script before, but because the trajectory comes exactly from where you were.
0: It had to be like that, given the, the mechanisms. Exactly. Right. And so to give an example, it's like you are a professor. Why are you a professor? What's the cause? Well, it's not because you freely chose to. It's just a combination of your biological and social mechanisms reacting in such a way that produced this behavior.
1: Exactly and um and sadly enough that's reasonable to believe <laughs> it is reasonable to believe right Yeah. Uh, and again uh, we were talking in the first part of the episode about the fact that we like to call ourselves special right but if we are taking this seriously again if we're matter yeah, it's
0: like what re- good reason do we have to think we're not, uh, that we are special right
1: exactly and it doesn't seem to be any
0: Yeah, it's like even if you're not a determinist, you got to stop and think it's a pretty good argument. It's not crazy. There's some kind of evidence that points in that direction. It's something to seriously grapple with, I guess is what I'm saying, in in your internal monologue, right? You don't want to be the person that just dismisses it automatically.
1: No, quite frankly, the thing is I think that the, the, the burden of the proof is on the free will guys, yeah, quote unquote. Because mm-hmm. again, if we had the tendency of believing that everything works deterministically, why is it that all of a sudden my choice of coming here today is not?
0: And it's tough because then you wind up pitting. It's like, well, are you gonna believe the scientific evidence, or exactly. are you gonna believe what you know what you have on the wall, Mary from Facebook, exactly. or whatever it says? Exactly. Um, but when whenever I do determinism in class. Whenever I think about it, I just think of Skinner. I think of B.F. Skinner. And I think we talked about determinism in, in an earlier episode, who basically said we can control and predict human behavior. And we do this merely by manipulating environmental factors. And there's this whole thing called schedules of reinforcement, right, where you're rewarded, either explicitly or not, or punished for certain behaviors. And you increase the likelihood of behaviors that are rewarded and decrease the ones that are
1: punished, that's
0: and that's all you are,
1: and that's what a good education is, right? That's right <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what we do. We are the this, we are this, the scientists conditioning the mouse, right? That's mm-hmm. what we are doing here, yeah and again, as dry as it might sound, is it possible? Yeah, I mean, It's it's more it? complicated, but it's and and again, can we argue against it? That's tough.
0: Um, because, you know, Skinner does all these experiments on animals and, and pigeons in particular, and the first thing you want to say is, hey, I'm not a pigeon. And he says, Right. We're we're not pigeons, we're more complex in terms of scale, but we're not different in terms of type. So to go back to what you said, his example was a fly. It's like mm-hmm. if we had all the information about the, the fly's genetics and also its history and its I'm not going to say historical context because <laughs> flies don't have that uh, but you get know what I mean yeah. we would be able to predict exactly when and where a fly is going to buzz and fly
1: yeah it's, I mean, that's yeah it is you yeah. Know. And, and and again it's difficult to argue against it uh, there are a couple of things that can be said mm-hmm. can be said I think uh, one is to do with um, some sort of a middle ground between the free will people and uh, and uh, and the um, Determinist people, which is called compatibilism, yeah, uh, which maybe we'll say something uh, later. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are other things um, there to be said. I think so. If the old thing that we do is, if education is this, this refining, right? If if we are able to do that, then there are certain paradoxes that the determinist needs to respond. Okay, about. and the thing is. I'll come, and again, to make uh, an example that's actually not my example, it's Plato's example Uh, in the Protagoras. He says something really interesting. He says, how do we explain that great parents, great fathers, he says, Mm -hmm. end up having horrible sons? Mm. Okay. So think of somebody like Marcus Aurelius, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: How is it possible that he has Commodore? As the son, right. One is the the this enlightened emperor, whatever. Well, it was also one that was a war, the most of it. was the, the philosopher emperor, and the one is a lunatic, mm-hmm. right? How is it possible that from someone that has all the mean, that obviously has the biological makeup, right, mm-hmm. of a good person? And let's say, let's assume they're both parents, and it happens, right? Sometimes the, you have a great family and then somebody comes out of the womb and it's like, not exactly the greatest person in the world, right? right?
0: And then you have the inverse. exactly. Right? And then you, you have, have terrible
1: parents and this person flourishes. Exactly. And, and the thing is, how is that possible if somebody has, so we're assuming that there is a specific biological makeup there, right? Mm-hmm. A specific biological makeup that should produce good biological makeup again, right? Mm-hmm. But not only that, we also have these people seem to have the tools to navigate society as dissem people, and yet they per- and most likely, and you know, they live in a good place. And mm-hmm. the, the place that surrounds this child is great. And he should only flourish. And then again, it becomes Jack the Ripper or Right, right. Whoever you can take on. I mean,
0: I'm thinking someone like Skinner would say, first off, well, this is why they talk about probabilities, right? Okay. Not uh, definites. and I think we would say in that case maybe there are some underlying biological mechanisms that are outweighing the social rewards and punishment hmm. in such a way that allows that person to become like that.
1: Mm-hmm. But then, out if if everything is about biological mechanism, and it's all the probability. It's in my mind has always been a cop out, right? You know, like, hey. It's just probability. But I know what you mean. Um, The thing, though, is biology, right? If we go by biology. It's like biology and the
0: environment interacting.
1: But then if we have those drastic changes, right, and we are saying, well, it's biology's fault, Mm -hmm. then we can go back and say, okay, when did biology diversify itself, right? Hmm. Uh, if everything is deterministic and everything is cause and effect, cause and effect, and everything is just um, what can we say? Consequentially coming from one thing from the other on a materialistic prospect right. perspective, right? How is it possible that a certain point from I don't know people that I want to make a stupid example? How come from people that have brown eyes and brown hair, all of a sudden we? Spawn somebody that's completely different. This mutation, where does it come from? Okay. How do we get there? Is it just it was how chain? How does change happens mm. within this chain of causality that is determinism and
0: so that's a more quote unquote simple example, exactly. Right, and then yes. if you multiply that to these more extreme examples, either there are answers and they're just more complex and we don't know them or there can't be any answers in which case determinism could be false right
1: and the thing is i think that the issue with determinism is the inability that he has to explain change Mm. or at least it has a difficulty to explain change
0: when you say change do you mean uh conscious change or like natural incidental change
1: Either or, but I was referring to the second one. Oh, so interesting. So the not to the natural one, because again, all we know is mutation, right? Mm-hmm. That's the word mutation, or incidentally, something goes, a particle goes a, in a different direction, right?
0: Okay, so you're saying, why does the mutation occur?
1: Can can determinism explain that? Okay, and so. I think he, I think that's the difficulty for the theory. I never really thought about that.
0: that that's pretty interesting. Um, I'm trying to like wrap my head around this. Well, also being a good devil's advocate. <laughs> of course. And I'm wondering if you could say it's similar to how computer problems happen. Okay. <clears throat> like, computer is programmed to run a certain operating system that runs in such and such a way, but sometimes something happens to it which results in it behaving in a different way, and it's not because it's planned, and the why isn't interesting, I guess, but we see that with computers some kind of mutations could happen, so why can't that also uh, account for these instances you're speaking of?
1: I think that the difference is that difference that I'm speaking of is very, how can we call it, basic, not in the sense of simple, but rather it's the base of everything else. Mm. In other words, we're able to explain those changes in computers just because they're made out of matter, right? Okay, so So it's
0: higher level, but these are more lower level. Exactly. Okay.
1: So it's more primitive. I don't know how to call it. Mm -hmm. Right? It's uh, there's no explaining that change without the change that I'm talking about. Yeah. Those are like the conditions as possibility, right? Exactly. Exactly. And how do we do? And again, maybe I'm interpreting determinism badly here, but I truly believe that the difficulty of the theory is because again, the way Skinner, for example, explains change, change is how he explains this by saying, "Oh, we get conditioned by a different." situation, atmospherical, societal, mm-hmm. biological, right? And that's why we have change. But now, what causes those things? Because if we are in this loop, then something needs to get out of the loop in order for innovation to happen. And I know that the thing is by accident, right? And we're not we're not putting religion into this. Right, yet.
0: but you're saying, like, why did the accident happen? Or how, right? even how. Or how. So this reminds me... I'm reminding a lot of our old conversations today of the God conversation where you were saying, like, we were talking about how there needs to be something outside of the system, but the arguments for God don't prove the outside of the system, they just prove within the system. Yes. This seems to be similar. You're saying there needs to be something outside of the loop to cause the loop, right? Exactly. Hmm, that's pretty interesting. I mean, so I think there would be some people... That would maybe not agree with your separation of computer and material into okay. higher order and lower order, or more and less fundamental. Uh, and I think they would say, "Oh, matter is just the same thing, right? Like a computer is just a version of material relations, okay. right?" Because people will say the brain is just a computer, right? And this is computational theory of mind. So, some people I think would reject the distinction. Mm-hmm. Another argument, but for those of them who didn't, the question still remains.
1: But, but even in that, so you were saying to me, well, the reason why those things happen in computers are not interesting, right? And that way, they don't fit a narrative, I guess. I they meant. don't. Fit, that, that's what I was asking. So you say they don't fit a narrative necessarily, but yet, why, why are we saying that they they don't fit a narrative? Are they just errors? Or are they just why this glitch with everything else?
0: So I guess I meant to say it didn't fit the the free will narrative. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. But this is kind of interesting now what you're saying.
1: It's in which sense?
0: Like what other narrative were you thinking of? I'm curious.
1: I'm thinking of the narrative of the way these things happen, right? It happens just the way it is. Oh, they're just com- like a general causal yeah. mechanism. Yeah, they're, they're computers, so this will happen, right? And they do not they don't fit. Those glitches don't. Either they're not explained because it's like yeah, just a malfunction, whatever it is.
0: Mm. Right?
1: We need to replace this part. Why did this didn't work? Or we give an explanation a posteriori and we say, oh, that's what he was. And I guess the whole the thing is the determinism It's I feel, and I use the word feel <laughs> specifically here. I feel that determinism, more than a theory, seems like an ideology that's Mm. self-contained. That the moment you get into the system via the scientific way, via the the sociological way, then everything is self-contained and self-explained.
0: Right. And there's no, like, you can't escape it.
1: You can escape. It's like, uh, I always say, it's like psychoanalysis, Marxism. Those things are, yes, philosophical theories, but they're mainly ideologies Mm. and everything can be explained within the system. It's like Hegel, right? Everything can Mm -hmm, be explained mm -hmm. within there. However, if you don't accept the premises of this, if you go out, then all of a sudden it seems limited and you can see that there are ideologies, that they are this this circular stuff, the systems that work perfectly. But however, uh, there are contradictions there. Again, explain change, explain uh, this mutation. Tell me what that is. It's
0: like there's a kind of circularity, right? Because you're asking to justify the axioms, but at some point they can't justify the axioms without presupposing the corollaries, right? Exactly. So it's, that's pretty interesting.
1: And there's also an infinite regression, right? Yeah. So to speak. Because,
0: so I agree that there's this closed system, and I think there are a lot of presuppositions. And when I'm thinking about determinism, I often try to unpack out the metaphysical presuppositions that exist within there. And mm-hmm. I was bringing this up earlier, but Skinner's lack of belief in free will, right? His belief that free will is an illusion is a direct result of his belief that there is no such thing as a self. And for him, it's like if will needs to exist, then there needs to be a self. Um, and there is no self. And if you don't agree with me, point to it. Uh And the reason he thinks there is no self is because it's not something that's like, quote-unquote, empirically measurable. Um, Oftentimes, perhaps all of the time, people who believe in the self have to appeal to some kind of second substance or second property of, of one substance. So he's saying in order to believe in free will, you have to believe in a self, which means you have to believe in some kind of dualism. And that's wrong, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. his whole case is based on the falsity of dualism, which may be a bad case, right?
1: Yeah, and it's funny because all I can think about when, and this has been in my mind since the beginning of this, this two-episode series that we're doing on Free Will, it's like when people go like that, when people go like Skinner, like, and there's obviously and everything is material, and everything works this way, and so on, or in general to any materialist, or to the determinist in general, I'm always thinking, and we need to keep the tradition of misquoting somebody, so <laughs> yes. even today, to, to pull something and put it in a context that's not the one. I always think of Wittgenstein, and in the Tractatus, when he says, but there is still something mystical that cannot be explained. Right? Mm-hmm. There is still something, no matter what you do, you can explain all the logical stuff, all the logical structure of the universe, but there is something mystical of which we cannot talk at the end of the day, we we'll mm-hmm. say, no? And forget the last part for a moment, but this idea that and yet there is something that's ineffable, there is something there which is the sensation, this feeling. And to say the least, we don't have an explanation for that. A satisfying explanation for that within the deterministic system. Now, could be that that's the glitch, the computer right, right? the fact that... Uh, but again, it's, it's just, again, feelings, sensation. It's uh, pretty they, interesting. They, they have a case. And, and again, uh, we needed to misquote somebody today. We, so. we needed to. <laughs> I was hoping you did that. I was thinking about it yesterday.
0: Um, and I'm thinking some people go even beyond Skinner, right? Because so the typical critique of dualism is like, if there's a second substance, how can it interact with the other substance, right? Yes. Like, how can something non-physical cause a physical change? logically incoherent therefore it must be false someone like dennett says that and then we say okay so maybe not substance dualism but like property dualism something like spinoza or chalmers is true but anyway people go beyond that because even i've heard sam harris say even if dualism was true that wouldn't prove free will it would just mean that the deterministic mechanisms are
1: more complex yeah And, and again once more I think they have a good argument because we have accepted the premises as a, as a society, as humanities. I want to mm. say, that materialism is the explanation. And the moment you consider that one hundred percent true, then we're doomed.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and apparently even if you go to dualism, we're but, doomed if you keep that like hardcore scientific empiricist
1: framework, I, right? I, and I was about to say that. So, and even when you introduce something like dualism then you're in trouble because either it's illogical or it's superfluous, I want to say, mm. at the end of the day, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. It
1: is contradictory or useless. Mm. Semiris is saying is useless pretty much, right? Yeah, we just forget. It. That's not the way Yeah,
0: it you're just introducing new f- components into nature, not proving that there isn't mm. just a natural causal exactly. sequence, right? Um, and so, okay, on the one hand, we have this, Radical free will all the way, which we would call like metaphysical libertarianism, right? Yeah. And then we have the hardcore fatalists, the hard yeah. determinists. And we have then we have the soft determinism, which is the more reasonable position, which I think me and you are more comfortable with, which is to say some things are definitely – there's definitely influence, maybe even some kind of determination, but not completely, right? We're kind of the middle ground.
1: I want to say that at least I believe we think that you have there is there are tools that we can use to break the shackles, right? To break yes. free, right?
0: You can acknowledge you are in the structure, but then you could kind of break free of the structure a little bit, right? You're not a, a victim to it. the
1: cave, right? The allegory of the cave. You are um, in yeah, the structure, right, right. but then eventually you can move out of it somehow.
0: So soft determinism is like there's determinism's a little bit true, but free will is also a little true, right? And then we have this thing called compatibilism, which which you were saying, yes, which is either a saves the day or yeah. a completely nonsensical thing, depending on how you look <laughs> at it. Um, how do you typically understand this?
1: Uh, so I I always look at the Frankfurt case, right? Okay. Uh, uh, which is this reading by Mr. Frankfurt that presents this idea. And well, the basic idea of compatibilism is this pretty much. There is free, there is determinism. Everything is deterministic. However, you're still responsible for the things that you do.
0: Yeah, right? You just say the two things that the determinists would think is opposite.
1: And his example, if I remember correctly, is let's assume there is Paul that wants to kill uh, Anthony, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to kill Anthony by himself, he wants Giuseppe to do it. So what Paul does, he puts a chip in Giuseppe's mind and he has a button that he can push whenever Giuseppe is in proximity of Anthony. And when he pushes this button, Giuseppe will kill Anthony. Mm-hmm. So one day Giuseppe is in proximity to Anthony. He's getting close to Anthony and Paul is ready to press the button, but Giuseppe is kills Anthony before he pushes the button. Ooh, that's interesting. And he says, well... It just have to be responsible for what he did. Did he have a choice? And of course, the answer is no, because no matter what, he was going to kill him no matter what, mm. because he's gonna push the bottom no matter what. So I was free, but.
0: So you were free. So you were not free in the sense that the future event was going to be the same regardless. Exactly. But you are free in the sense that the means of getting to the event was under your
1: control. Is that the idea? Yes. So another example, probably easier example, is this. Let's imagine that me and you are walking. Let's say you are walking down a uh, a trail, and it's you know it's the the middle of the summer. Everything is very dry. And for some reason, you're you wearing you wear shoes that have the hard soles, right? Mm-hmm. And on this path where you're walking in the middle of the, of the woods, there's those little um, little rocks, right? And with your shoe, because it's hard soles, eventually you end up striking a, sp- uh, um, a sparkle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the sparkle falls on, on dry leaves. You keep on walking. You don't notice this. The dry leaves catch on fire the entire woods and the forest catch on fire? Are you responsible for what you did? Mm -hmm. Causally responsible.
0: But not morally morally responsible.
1: responsible, Right? Hmm. Okay. Now, if I am walking right behind you, and I see this part that ignites the fire right there, and I look at the fire, I'm like, eh, whatever, I don't care. And I keep on walking. Am I responsible for the fire? That's different. Right? I am... Not causally responsible, obviously, because you created that was your foot, but I am morally responsible because I didn't intervene. So the compatibilist argument is I can be responsible even though i'm not I'm not causally you know
0: right there's, there's, there's multiple types of responsibility exactly, and I'm wondering how this discussion would factor in so when I usually think of uh, compatibilism, I think of stace. And Stace has this defense of compatibilism, where he says the reason why there's this disagreement between determinists and and libertarians is because they're defining free will wrong. Is that they're defining it as right? It's (laughs) like this magic trick that just solves everything, which is already questionable. Because if you could argue, well, he's just concerned with saving more responsibility, right? Because that's already some kind of ideological bent. But he says, usually when we think of free will, we think of it as uncaused behavior. And if you think of free will as uncaused behavior, of course, that's non-existent because everything is caused. Um, So actually, libertarianism, sorry, free will is compatible with determinism because free will doesn't mean uncaused behavior it means behavior that's caused by internal rather than external mechanisms mm-hmm. and so it's like if i starved because i was out in a desert that wasn't my free choosing but if i went on a hunger strike and i starved that is of my free choosing and so these internal internally caused ones are the ones that you're supposedly morally responsible for whereas the external ones are not and this is i think pointing at the same thing you were just saying but my issue with this is if i'm being objective um someone like skinner or any kind of determinist is then going to say okay so what you're telling me is the difference is the will is the thing that's internally caused not externally caused the compatibilist says yeah and then the determinist says, "Okay, but the internal cause is caused by the an external, external one, cause, so exactly. we're just back to determinism, right?" Exactly, exactly. Which is why I'm like, I don't know. And it's
1: not—it's not a great solution. It's not the most elegant solution, but at least it's something that
0: it allows you know, us to preserve the to world. To preserve the I, I,
1: again, I don't, I'm not—I'm not a fan necessarily. Right, right. Uh, but I'm not a fan of neither of this. so all, all solutions. I'm not yeah. a determinist. I'm not. I cannot argue as much as I would like to for total free will. I cannot argue for compatibilism completely. Um, they're just as many times happen. We're just presenting different options, right? Different descriptions of of the universe where we live, and the problem is trying to find the one that's more appealing uh, sometimes and. Hopefully true, right?
0: Yeah. When we ask these questions, like, what do we, what is okay? So we say that truth is a correspondence, right, between some, uh, like a statement and, and then the state of affairs. What state of affairs are we choosing? Exactly. Right. Because are we asking, does the belief in free will correspond to scientific conception of nature? To return to that previous thing. Yes. Or are we asking if s- the belief in free will corresponds to The whole of capital R reality, which may include more than the scientific conception of nature, right? Because depending on what our referent is um, in terms of correspondence, whether or not something is true is going to change.
1: I think that uh, was Karen Barad that says that that will change depending the way you make the cut in reality, right? Right, right. And that is the issue there. And um, I don't even know. um, It's a really good question this idea and thinking about what is that we want to achieve, right? What's the goal there? Is the goal to understand how the universe works independently from us? I think that's what you're saying. Or mm-hmm. is it uh, trying to understand the universe the way we have explained it? And I, I honestly don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. And I think that the, the, the entire philosophical endeavor is built on the idea that we can have some access to... Reality, we can give explanation about the way reality unfolds
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, before our eyes. But now, depending on the philosopher and the philosophical school, some will say it's the, the entirety of the capital R reality. Some would right. say you no. Know, and I think that, again, that's, those are legitimate questions that we can explore and I think we should explore eventually. Uh, um, we should talk about truth, right?
0: Why? Absolutely.
1: Uh, one of these times and you know and all the the, the connected things to this I guess say.
0: Yeah and a lot hinges on this, yeah. right? Like we talked about ethics. Yeah. And it seems like more responsibility. Ethics as a discipline, as a a framework of thought seems to rest on this free will. So it's like if there is no free will, what does that mean for
1: all of that? Exactly. And to to, to put the two things together, the entire endeavor, right? They're all in as you're saying, ethics is based on that because, quite frankly, if you don't make any choices, right, what's the point of establishing yeah. if you're good or bad? How are we going to praise right or blame you. Exactly. Yeah. How are we going to do – even establishing what's right or wrong, what's good or bad, right? What's the point of reference there? Right, because the, it's all just processes. Exactly. And that's so that the entire thing gets emptied, we can say. And same thing with politics, we can say. Uh I'm admitting that they're two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with almost everything. Seems like it. Um, I, I would say, right? They and get, even like aesthetics. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. It makes it... Aesthetics make, becomes, like, very superficial.
0: Yeah, it becomes different.
1: It becomes, like, this pleasing whatever. It seems to be exciting for death-specific.
0: It's like a computer... Enjoys looking at something else, right? Like it just becomes very mechanistic. Well, it
1: becomes like what we accuse, at least from my I'm culpable. of This it becomes what we accuse the music industry to do, very often, right? The commercial stuff, right? Mm. I'm starting to build products that appease, that I'm that are built for you to be, for you to like them, right? So the process becomes the the, the aesthetic appreciation is not the issue. It's not the the things that's beautiful, rather. It is the things that appeases you the most, the things that you are conditioned to like one way or another. right,
0: right. So so all of value, I (laughs) I guess we could say. It gets raised. uh, All of value in questions concerning what should be the case become either erased or radically different in terms of their foundations or function. And maybe Uh,
1: because of that, we should keep this idea free. uh, Maybe (laughs) we should, right?
0: And that's what what, it's funny... uh, You know, we talk about Dennett on here often as the hardcore materialist, and he is. Mm -hmm. But even he says, we need to believe in free will. (laughs) You shouldn't go around telling people that they don't have free will, right? Yeah which, I don't know, maybe tells you something about do determinists really believe determinism? And exactly.
1: That's, that's what Stace says. Or, um, or maybe we should think, like, is this also deterministic thought? Oh, man. Is this the way the system saves itself? <laughs> is it? Oh, why are we doing this podcast? Exactly. <laughs> it becomes the matrix all this. <laughs> I do Oh, no.
0: You are free from the matrix. <laughs> all righty. That, that sounds cool. good. We'll all see you guys good. around. Bye.